Hey everyone, I'm Caitlin Barnard. And I'm Victor Gamow. In this series, we chat with software developers and technology leaders to tackle your biggest API connectivity challenges. Stay tuned to this episode for tools, tactics, strategies that will help you to take your distributed architectures to the next level. Let's begin. Today, I'd like to welcome Aaron Weichel, CEO at MS3. Aaron is here to talk to us about how to support your legacy applications while embarking on digital transformation efforts. If you're currently trying to figure out how to modernize your applications while dealing with technical debt, this episode's for you. Aaron, could you start us off by kind of setting the stage for our viewers on the problems organizations run into and how this relates to common connectivity challenges? You know, our organization has been in the integration space for over a decade. And so we've seen the evolution of technology as it goes from legacy-based type of B2B interconnectivity with pipe delimited data, fixed field sets through SOAP integrations, and now we're into our next generation of RESTful APIs and gRPC. Organizations, however, don't move quite as fast as what technology does. And so there's a lot of technical debt that is strung along for decades you know, across multiple industries that need to be supported as you're going through this digital transformation. And so this problem is something that organizations want the latest and greatest, but they still need to support the legacy-based uh, protocols and interconnectivity. So we've actually came with some solutions in order to help address those needs. So one of the things we've talked a little bit about is how organizations in the early 2000s adopted these SOAP-based protocols, and they're now having to figure out what to do with those services. How are you seeing organizations handling this? Organizations have done a, a variety of different things, right? They've implemented, you know, technology tooling like ESBs and in order to provide both message and protocol-based abstractions. They've implemented a variety of different technologies uh, in order to implement a way to hide the soap behind the scenes. And if you look at a gentleman by the name of Martin Fowler, uh, he actually has a uh, document written out there around the strangular pattern or, or strangular facade. And so we like to take that pattern and implement it in what we call the mullet pattern, right? Where you have a nice clean API in the front, you got the messy soap in the back. And what that does is it provides a layer of abstraction between the consumers and the legacy systems. Because you have that abstraction point, it allows a period of disconnection between the services. So that way, as you begin to modernize the back end, uh, systems, those are unimpactful for your consumers, which is really important because no one wants to have a change that goes into place. And then every time that a system continues to modernize or makes incremental changes on the backend system that all of the consumers have to uh, uh, make modifications. That is a very costly approach. And by taking this mullet pattern, it really helps to alleviate that uh, type of cost uh, initiatives that organizations face on the daily. So one of the ways that you've addressed this, I believe, is through leveraging some custom plugins in Kong Gateway. Can you walk us through that approach? You know, Kong uh, Gateway is really pushing the boundary of the next generation capabilities, right? It's supporting RESTful-based protocols. It's doing gRPC and protobuffing. It has the, you know, GraphQL. And you intertwine that with service mesh, for really a connected platform and not so much an API gateway. 
And, you know, sadly, organizations, when they look at Kong uh, at this point in time, they just they think it's just an API gateway and they don't understand that is that next step to interconnectivity. And it's much more than just that. And so what we're doing is we're providing a way that organizations can leverage Kong as a product for their next generation modernizations, but also giving that same platform the ability to support legacy-based communications. And so because of the focus being on the modernization aspects of Kong, SOAP really is a secondhand citizen uh, because you, let's let's not, so you know, I, I understand the business aspect of let's not worry about what was, let's focus on what is coming. And great business uh, decision and business step. So our SOAP plugins that we've built addresses a gap that was there to allow organizations to be able to go from SOAP-based interconnectivity, which there is a lot of that out there, into modern technologies. And so we've built a series of plugins that support everything from uh, exposing SOAP services and having that abstracted through the gateway and being able to consume and have your automation tooling be able to ingest a WSDL and generate those stubs from a consumer uh, perspective. We've provided capabilities for data validation and so action validation. And that's really key because the best way to address uh, system performance is to identify problem calls at the source or or at as early as possible. So if we have the ability to do data validation, SOAP action validation at the gateway level, then that's alleviating processing time that may be a very busy backend system that doesn't have the same capabilities of modern technology won't have to worry about. Um, in addition, one of the big problems that we see uh, is the poor implementation of fault handling within SOAP. So SOAP is something that Whenever you have a problem, it doesn't really give you a nice clean status code associated with, you know, what the problem was. Like when you have a, uh, a 401 or a 403 or 404 types of uh, errors in RESTful APIs, that is pretty self-telling just in the status code. But everything that comes back from SOAP is just a 500, right? And so inside of that, they have what's called a SOAP fault body. Now, historically, with SOAP faults, they dump a lot of information in there. There could be stack traces, there could be sensitive information, a lot of really ugly things that you don't want to go out to your end consumers. If you're in the health industry or uh, financial industry, there could be sensitive information that's coming back across the wire that you really don't want, and you don't have the ability to control that. So one of the components that we've actually built is a SOAP fault abstractor. So what happens is, is when the soap fault comes back, we clean it up. We say, contact your administrator and take that that heavy lift of being able to process that off of the systems and having to, uh, you know, make sure that everything is coming back clean. Because at, at the end of the day, we don't want our developers or or the our clients developers working on building enhancements to soap services, which should be slowly going away, but focusing on writing new RESTful or gRPC-based services that can go through the gateway. So by providing that, whatever technical debt that they historically have had, now we can clean it up with, with some of these plugins. Uh, the next one is the Mullet Pattern plugin. And so this is what I was talking to you earlier about, where we can actually begin to expose 
the RESTful-based APIs and the gRPC-based protocols through the front-end gateway. Or we'll give our clients the ability to expose legacy SOAP services without having to rewrite them right now. So they can expose that through Kong with a contract, whether with open API or you know through a protobuf doc, and your consumers can start consuming that. The plugin will do mapping from those standard HTTP protocols or from the objects within the gRPC into the SOAP actions. As you know, with SOAP, SOAP has SOAP actions that says, what is it that we're going to do with this inbound request, right? And so it could be processing data, it could be retrieving data, it could be updating data, but it all comes through the same HTTP uh, request, which is an HTTP post. So what we do is we actually provide the capability to map a GET operation on the front end to a HTTP post with a, say, GET customer, uh, so action on the backside. Uh, likewise, if we're doing a post operation for the customer, we do a post operation to create customer on, on the SOAP action. So, so this gives us the ability to really blend the front end RESTful capability to the uh, SOAP back end. And that's going to alleviate rewrite of consumers down the line, especially as you're going from, let's say you have an old ERP system, uh, maybe it's you know an SAP system or it's a Microsoft Dynamics and you're moving to a Salesforce Right. Those legacy systems are using SOAP. As you're migrating your ERP components into, into Salesforce, now your consumers are completely oblivious that any of this work is going on on the backside because they're still getting the data models. They're still using the operations the way that they did before. So th that's really, really powerful. Next thing that we did was we actually created an additional plugin kit for uh, Kong. Uh, so what we did was we took uh, a Java-based component and we built it to utilize the communication bridge within Kong. And the reason that we decided to go with this direction is because a lot of the powerful data transformation tooling is written in Scala or, or Java or things that are using a JVM. And so one of the open source uh, platforms that we really love is called DataSonnet. So DataSonnet is a template-based transformation uh, language that is written in Scala. It was originally created by Google. Uh, shortly thereafter, it was adopted by Databricks. And then we went through and we added in a bunch of capability and functionality to enable some really complex data transformation. This is really important, especially if you're wanting to do things like orchestration, some lightweight orchestration in the gateway, where maybe from a mobile application perspective, you don't want them to have to send in these huge requests and these huge responses back and iterate through the data to then make the next set of requests. Uh, that becomes very erroneous to the mobile applications where their CPUs and their memory just can't handle that, that amount of work. So this capability allows Kong to have a lightweight call come in from a mobile application. It can use DataSonnet to call, let's say, a product catalog. And then that product catalog would then return back information that we can then use another call out to a system to provide additional information, start to shrink the data model to only what the mobile application wants, and then return it back. That pulls the workload off the mobile application and provides that into backend systems, which have substantially more resources. And so that's another really powerful way that you can, you know, master Kong with these plugins to, you know, support a legacy on the backend, modern and mobile things on the front end. 
Yeah, that was a fantastic overview. Thank you so much <laughs> for taking the time to do that. I know we have some more, we'll share some more information um, in the description on how viewers can learn more about Data Sonnet as well as MS3 and all the great work you're doing, um, including those plugins. But any other final words for the audience before we wrap up? You know, the last words is that technology moves a lot faster than organizations. And uh, MS3 is here to try and ensure that organizations are successful in getting from where they are today and leapfrogging their competitors. And you do this by having smart strategic patterns and approaches in order to do that. And so that's why we understand this space and we understand that organizations can't just forklift from one technology to another and be able to be successful. So these types of plugins and this type of ingenuity is what MS3 brings to the table in order to help organizations accelerate their modernization without impacting in an entire plethora of different ways, um, whether it be your soap-based organization or if you're fixed format uh, or if you're, you know, B2B type of communications, those types of scenarios aren't going away anytime soon, but they, they can easily be updated in order to, you know, allow for modern communication to occur between your consumers and your backend systems. Awesome. Some fantastic words of wisdom um, to end on today. So thank you so much, Aaron, for joining me today. Um, thank you to our audience who tuned in and we'll see you next time. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast using your favorite application so you don't miss a new episode. Don't forget to drop us a comment if you have any questions for today's guests or if there's a topic you'd like to see us cover in the future. For more content from today's guest, you can join us on YouTube to see demo segment from this episode of Concast. We'll see you next time.